0: Looking at things from God's point of view is a challenge for all of us. We struggle not only to think, but to live from God's point of view in a world where such things are seen as madness. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verse 33, Jesus says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. He says this because any opposition to God's point of view comes from the accuser, Satan. We must understand that God's point of view is often in complete contrast to what we see as a normal point of view. For the disciples, it was the concept of the Messiah needing to die. This is not what messiahs do. A messiah is a savior, the one who saves. It was a very natural instinct for peter to rebuke this kind of talk. The disciples were just starting to come to understand who Jesus really was, that He was the long awaited Messiah, the Messiah that generation after generation of Jewish people had been waiting for. And now to find out, to hear these words from the Messiah Himself, that must have been mind boggling. How could this be? Messiahs don't come to die. Not many in the Jewish community would have predicted this. It is easy for us to read the words of the New Testament and then reflect those words back on our interpretation of Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. But the disciples didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the New Testament to help them interpret the Old Testament. In fact, most Jewish scholars had missed this detail. It was not a minor detail in the Messianic prophecy, but As the expectation grew through the generations, these details about the death of the Messiah were simply overlooked. I guess you can understand why. For generations, these same people were waiting for their Messiah, but they were also under tremendous persecution. By the time the disciples had started following Jesus, the nation of Israel had been occupied by the Roman Empire for hundreds of years. So imagine being under a tremendous pressure and then being told that a Savior would come who would relieve that pressure and restore the rights for ownership to your lands and your people. He would have sat around in those quiet moments and daydreamed about what life would be like once the Messiah had come. You would have had those times with friends and family when you were all sitting around telling stories and enjoying each other's company, and then the topic of the Messiah would come up. It would have been like one of those times we've all had in our own families or maybe with our friends, sharing stories, daydreaming, talking about the future and what the future would look like. Put yourself in that place, sitting around with your grandparents and your parents and your brothers and sisters, maybe your cousins, aunts and uncles, sitting there on the dusty floor in a small living area in a house on the outskirts of Jerusalem. With the dim light of a candle flickering in the night, your grandpa starts to share about what life was like in the past. And then he tells the story of his parents talking to him as a young boy and telling him about the Messiah who would come. And then one of the young boys would ask him, What's it going to be like, Grandpa? Can you hear the conversation? Can you hear the stories? Can you hear the dreams? The dreams would grow as the longing grew. And the dreams don't focus on the details. They focus on the hopes of a better life. Can you imagine the stories that would have been told? How many families do you think sat around the table after a meal together and dreamed of a Messiah who would come and die at the hands of the Romans? Not many, I wouldn't think. I'm confident in saying that the topic of the death of the Messiah probably never came up when they dreamed about the future. When Peter found himself daydreaming about what it would be like to finally see the Messiah, I'm sure the topic of his death was not part of that dream. So when Jesus began to teach that the Messiah must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and then he must be killed, I can imagine him thinking, Whoa, 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 wait a second. What did he just say? Wait, wait, wait. What's going on here? I'm sure his mind was so thrown off that he didn't even hear Jesus complete his statement by saying, and be raised in three days. The Bible says that Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. What was the rebuke from Peter like? Well, we don't really know a lot about what Peter might have said, but in the book of Matthew, he tells us that Peter said, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. As with most Jewish people at the time... Peter had missed a few details in the longing for their Messiah. Jesus makes it clear that this is the point of it all. In fact, without this, nothing else concerning the Messiah even matters. Not only did Jesus say this kind of thinking is from Satan, he also pointed out that Peter did not have in mind the concerns of God. He was interpreting Jesus' words through the purely human perspective. As Jesus said, merely human concerns were on his mind. As we live out our faith and do our best to journey with God, our challenge is to have in mind the concerns of God. If you made your decisions throughout your day from the perspective that had in mind the concerns of God, how would this change your decision making? Having in mind the concerns of God should have dramatic impact on how we live and how we interact with others and how we handle ourselves, especially when the pressure is on. To have in mind the concerns of God helps us see the world from God's point of view.